0: Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show Podcast. In this episode, we check in with Derek Taylor on the CFL News of the Week. How did the Bombers look last week? Take are taking on the Riders this week. And then we'll talk to the new men's hockey coach at the University of Manitoba. His name is Gordon Burnett. That's all coming up on the podcast. Friday night, also, when the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are next in action. And the voice of the Bombers is Derek Taylor, who joins us now. Derek... Are you excited for a week two battle in Regina?
1: Uh, I am. Any chance to, to play the Riders, to, to go back to the city used to work work in, and a chance for the Bombers to put up a 35-point win? I'm excited for any of those things.
0: All right, so let's start with the Blue Bombers and uh, your thoughts on what we saw Friday. I thought personally, and I would have said this on the postgame show, but I have to leave, uh, I thought the Bombers were just a, a way better team they made a couple enormous mistakes, but otherwise was was dominant. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I mean enormous mistakes. So there's, just, there's a certain degree to which luck plays into these things, right? Genery Grant fumbles, those balls often just skitter around the ground, right but that one lands right in the guy's arms and Fraser Sopic takes off for the end zone only to be stopped two yards short. Like there's just, there were three weird touchdowns in that in that game. So you take those off the board and you go, well, it was 41 to 10. If not for those, but then on the other side, one of the things I kind of wondered about in the in the preseason and the lead up the season was how will they be in coverage and I mean there was Tim White burning the guy cold but bow missing him there were receivers steps behind defensive backs and Bo Levi Mitchell missed them like if if Bow was even uh week one Vernon Adams, that could have been a whole different score, even without the lucky bounces so uh there's stuff for the for the bombers to clean up. I think the offense looked fantastic. Zero complaints about the offense, but uh special teams, they know they need some work and defense looked good in spots but looked like it got it almost got got in spots.
0: It was something I said last week and I think that this is true in a lot of leagues where weeks 1 and 2 now, for the CFL, NFL, the uh, first couple of weeks of the season, and in, in every sport, there's a certain preseason feel to it, other than baseball, because they have so spring trainings forever in baseball. Yeah, but almost no one plays now in preseason. So, should we be taking the like the quality we see in the CFL in the first couple of weeks with a bit of a grain of salt? For instance, Bo Levi Mitchell looking washed.
1: Yeah, I mean, Bo hasn't looked great for a couple of years now, but that looked that was exceptionally bad. Um, and then he and Duke Williams. Miscommunicated on what could have been Duke Williams running wide open. So, you know, it's, it, it can't be, it can't be that bad. It, it looked like there were a few plays where Bo and his new teammates were still getting used to each other. Um, week one, I can't believe Calgary is that bad at football. They look awful. And, and I would, I would say that is an extended preseason effort by the Calgary Stampedeers because my brain just can't wrap around the fact that Calgary could possibly be that bad for an extended length of time. Um, Saskatchewan, yeah, kind of looked like I thought they would. Their offense should pick it up a little more as bodies get back. Edmonton was Edmonton. Uh, so th- there are some spots where I go, okay, Ottawa, Montreal, you know what, These this may just be an extended preseason.
0: Well, that was a great game for kickers, right? If you, oh. if you love field goals, then, yeah, Montreal-Ottawa was great. Oh, just
1: awful, awful football. A couple of just... <laughs> terrible even BC right like BC had a couple of touchdown drives and then that Thursday game went cold for quite a while and BC wins it pretty handily it didn't feel like Calgary ever threatened the only uh if they got much more than the the Vernon Adams interception like uh, even BC I I'm still unconvinced that that they're you know I'm, I'm not putting them number two in my power ranking let's say that
0: well you take out the Winnipeg game and you know Hamilton's points one came on special teams. One basically came on on special teams. And the points scored in order of most to least in the other games was 25, 19, 17, 15, 13, and 12. It's
1: not a yeah, lot. That's, that's, that's like 2021 post-pandemic yeah. season points level, right? Like that's, that season was bad. Last year they rebounded by I think it was seven points a game up to just over 50 we were we were back down. Oh boy, yeah, it was it was not the prettiest week number one, but it is also a lot of new quarterbacks in a lot of new places yeah. as well. They have to deal with right. So Fajardo, Trevor Harris, Bo, yeah, a lot a lot of stuff. And then I mean, this weekend we get Bo versus Chad Kelly. I, I don't know if that game is going to be any better because that's you know still two two new starting quarterbacks for for teams
0: and for Calgary now going into Thursday in Ottawa, Kadeem Carey. Is not going to play in that game. So, uh, you had a, an interesting tweet today about uh, Calgary's potential lead, new leading rusher at 100 to one odds.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a preseason bet I had, and the one thing when you watched Calgary last season, Kane Carey was the best running back in the league, but he wasn't the top yards per carry guy in his team. Diedrich Mills, who had under had about 70 carries, was almost seven yards a carry, and. Uh, Kadeem Carey is a fantastic running back, but there's a lot of cats that can run behind that offense. So, I, in my head, I was like, okay, none of these are good odds. Kadeem Carey was like three and a half to one to lead the league in rushing, and you're not going to bet that because what's the point? But I was like, what if Carey got injured and Dietrich Mills went in there and he was going off at a hundred to one? And I thought, and part of me wanted to throw a, you know, throw you know twenty bucks on that and throw a two thousand dollar party if it were to come true. And here we are. Kadim Carey wrenches his foot in week number one. He's wearing a boot for this one, and uh, apparently, no chance he plays on Thursday. So, I presume it'll be Dietrich Mills. It could also be Peyton Logan. But yeah, if if that one were to come through, you're going to see me kicking myself in week 21.
0: Have you checked what the have the odds changed then?
1: I, I can't find that wager okay. anywhere else. That, okay. That's the thing. They just put out a whole cast of characters right. in the preseason, but now they shorten it up.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, to the Blue Bombers, back to the local focus for a bit. The injury report today, Mike Miller, Tuielli, uh did not practice. They did not play last week. Cam Lawson did not play. He's still not practicing. Jackson Jeffcoat played I don't know, a couple snaps and then didn't play again. And Brady Oliveira limited today. Dalton Schoen did not practice with the ankle yep. today. Any concern on the DNPs?
1: Uh, I think Dalton Schoen will always be a concern for, for me because he's such a difference maker. Uh, Brendan O'Leary Orange in his spot today. They could also use Greg McCray if they wanted to, but uh, the, uh, the drop off from Dalton to just about anybody would be substantial. You hope it's just you know, the thing that kept him out of preseason. But he he didn't look – he looked fine in the game. You would have seen him from field level. I didn't see any point where he did not look effective in no, that game. No, was looked fine. Yeah, it was the Nick Devsky show in that game, so it'll be Dalton's turn uh, another time. The Jackson one, uh, I you know, they, they listed his calf, so at least we have something on what maybe ailing Jackson Jeffcoat. The last thing he did was force the quarterback pressure that led to Demario Houston's sideline interception. He takes the tackle and walks him back into Bo's lap. And you, I watched that playback and thought, oh, Jackson looks pretty good, but th- he just at, at practice today he he walks a little bit gingerly. It's not it's not like he's in a ton of pain because he can also jump around a little bit, you know, just just talking to guys and stuff. But uh, he walks a little bit gingerly, and you just I, I just I, I don't know if I want anything more for my birthday than for Jackson Jeffcoat to be healthy for a full season. But uh, it's it's off to a rough start already.
0: Is your birthday coming up?
1: It's in August, so okay. I still have time. Okay, good. And
0: we, the Bombers shared pictures from their season kickoff event at Club Region a couple days ago, and Jeff Goat's in one of them. So, uh, obviously, he's still doing stuff. So, I don't know if it's a, a huge deal. and People probably asked him, hey, how is it? And he's probably telling them he's feeling good. But uh, if he is not able to play, we saw that Celestin Habba had a huge play. We heard from him earlier on in the show. Uh, they also released Caleb Thomas yesterday, mm-hmm. which is a player I think you liked in preseason, was he not?
1: Well, he had a sack in each of the preseason games, and he blocked the game-winning field goal attempt in the Elks game. So he's he's a guy who uh, – he was one of those guys who popped, right, in preseason. Um, I guess uh, Coach O'Shea said he he watched some BC tape, and Miles Fox, the new defensive tackle, just popped off the screen from their preseason. So uh, Miles Fox is, is the new man of town, and he'll be interesting to watch – for Friday because there he's a defensive tackle miles is 6'1 and 300 pounds uh and and it looks like from afar it looks like it's all muscle like it's not a it's not a chubby 300 pounds it looks like it's all muscle and I don't know how you get down hallways with your giant shoulders because you've worked so hard in the gym and they had him taking some reps off defensive end which is a terrifying thought but also when you look at the roster and go well, if you're going to bring Haba and Jefferson and Anthony Bennett, if you roster Miles Fox and he has the potential to take snaps on the edge, you, you could potentially give Jeff Coat the week off or if Jeff Coat needs the week off, uh, that may be able to allow you to get Willie Jefferson some rest instead of forcing him to take all 55, 60 snaps, whatever it is. So I, I've, I've never, like, I've not seen much of Miles Fox play because he had three tackles for BC last year and very limited action. But uh, if they could get, you know, Casey Thales was about to play the end last year. If they could get some pass rush snaps from Fox, if that's even remotely possible, that would be good news for the uh, the Bombers going into Friday.
0: And what about Brad Muhammad, who last year was a pretty good player and started a lot for the Calgary Stampeders. He was cut out of a training camp. Uh, we heard your conversation with him earlier today. These Fox and Mohammed signed to the practice roster, but they could play right away. So what is the thought on, on what he brings to the team?
1: Yeah, I, Coach O'Shea talked about being thin at halfback. And when you look at the guys they kept on the practice roster, it was Matt Cole who's since been released and Abu Dharami Soiree. Uh, both guys played the corner, and, and both guys did some in the return. And I guess they look at the practice roster and go, we don't really have anybody that we trust at halfback. Uh, Cole and Durami Soiree, both rookies to the Canadian Football League, and and halfback's just kind of a different beast. Jamal Parker's on the six-game injured list. He would be an option at halfback, but not until at least week seven at the rate it goes. So I guess you look at the, at the market and you go, well, Muhammad can play there. Dietrich Nichols is an absolute stud. Evan Holm came down hard on his, on his uh, hip slash back contesting a pass in the game. If he was to get injured, he looked fine at practice today, but if he was to get injured, who's going to play halfback for us? We've really got to make something happen. So I I feel like this is just cover. And I mean, Muhammad, you you heard him talk about it. He's had great games at IG field, four pass knockdowns, two interceptions. Like he's, he's got it and he's got experience. And I'm, I'm not 100% sure why Calgary let him go because their defensive backfield is not overwhelmed with with uh, superheroes. So, yeah, it's it's a real blessing for the Bombers to be able to to go to the street and get a guy like that.
0: Get to out of here on this as a big NBA fan. Your thoughts on Denver taking home the title last night?
1: Oh, so happy for that. So happy. There, there are just certain guys that I'm happy that the sports-rabbling public will get off their back finally. And it's it's going to be Nikola Jokic. Oh, he's never done anything. He doesn't really. Someone resurfaced a Kevin Durant tweet from years ago about all he cares about is going to work and then going home to visit his horses. And then, oh, but then, oh by the way, a couple years later, he's the best player in the world, and he could well have been a three time MVP. And he was just unguardable in in those this entire playoff run. He is such a fun player to watch. I do you do you remember Arvidas Sabonis at all in the Blazers? I'm the too movies? young for that. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to, his son Demantis plays now. Yeah, but Ar, Arvidas Savonis was the first big man to kind of come over from Europe and really flash this passing game, and it was it was incredible to watch because he was seven whatever, seven two, three hundred pounds, couldn't really move well, but man, he had the passing. Jokic is just—he's the best big man passer there that there ever has been in the game, and then. You add in Jamal Murray's story, and, oh, he's coming off an injury, and Michael Porter Jr. has just been constantly injured from college all the way through, and all these pieces, and they get no respect, and they're not even getting respect for this playoff run, which they had to go through Kevin Durant and, and the Phoenix Suns, and then, you know, a, a, an overpowered LeBron James and the L.A. Lakers. Like, I'm sorry that the Lakers were a seventh seed, but by the time they got to the playoffs, they were no seventh seed anymore. This was a real contest so I, I'm, I'm glad that that folks w- may uh, finally get off Nikola Jokic's back and, and move on to their next guy that they, they don't think is accomplished enough
0: and don't give short shrift to my beloved Minnesota Timberwolves who won a game come on now
1: <laughs> the Timberwolves won a game
0: yeah, they beat them. They the Denver took. Oh. They beat Minnes. They beat Denver in Game uh, Four, I think, in overtime to pr- avoid the sweep. So.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. Sorry, that was that was a long time. ago. I know,
0: I know. <laughs> it was a terrible a series. It was not very yeah. good. But anyway, but, uh, Derek, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for this, and uh, have fun calling the game on Friday.
1: Thanks, brother.
0: Well, Mike Sarant is a name very familiar to those who have followed hockey in this community for years. Spent over 30 years as a player, assistant, and head coach with the Manitoba Bisons, but he has retired. And the man that will be filling his shoes as head coach of the Manitoba Bisons men's hockey team is Gordon Burnett. And Gordon joins us now on the CGOB Sports Show. Gordon, how are you doing tonight?
2: I'm good, really good. Thanks for having me, Christian.
0: And where are you right now?
2: I'm actually still in Moose Jaw.
0: Okay, and for those who don't know, you've been uh, an assistant coach there in Moose Jaw. So uh, how did you come about... Applying and being interested in taking over this job.
2: Well, I think um, you know i i've I've, uh, I've coached college hockey before, and I played college hockey, and it was always something in the back of my mind that if uh, if the opportunity was ever there that I'd be interested in um, pursuing it. And when uh, we were in we were in Winnipeg playing the ice, someone mentioned that uh, the coach was uh, retiring. And so um, I asked a couple of questions, uh, some people that were familiar with the program, and and uh, I decided to put my name in. And, you know, I was familiar with Winnipeg uh, just because I had uh, coached the Blues for uh, a year previous to coming to Moose Jaw.
0: So you've been to uh, a bunch of spots, Notre Dame and the NCAA, or uh, you've been with the Kootenai Ice, the Moose Jaw Warriors, as you mentioned, the Winnipeg Blues. So you've seen a good part of Western Canada now, and you're going to keep seeing that with uh, the Manitoba Bisons coming up. Just, what, if, From living here for that brief amount of time and playing against teams here, what what's your thought on the, the, the junior hockey scene, the university hockey scene here in Winnipeg?
2: Well, I, I think there's a lot of uh, hockey being played in Winnipeg. It's uh, the hockey city for sure with all the teams that exist for, with the professional teams and, and the junior teams and now and obviously the... University team, but I think uh, there's a lot of good players from the area. Um, there's people who get excited about hockey. You just look at all the spring tournaments and, and all the minor hockey that exists in the city. Um, I think it's I think it's a great hockey community and a, and a hockey market. And you know, I, I'm excited to come back to it and, and be a part of it again.
0: How would you describe yourself as a coach?
2: Um. That's a good question. Uh, It's it's a long answer, but I guess (laughs) for the sake of the interview, I'd say that uh, I I think I'm I'm detailed. I I care about my players. I I wouldn't describe myself as a player's coach, but I'd say that uh, I I think communicating uh, with today's players is, is very important. And I just think it's so important that you're, you know, structure your game and, and you're able to teach what you want them to play out on the ice. And so I guess, I guess a communicator and a tactician might be an easy way to put it.
0: And how do you feel the, you know, coach player relationship might change going from junior hockey to now university, where you're going to be coaching players that had been in junior hockey? And in a lot of cases, You're going from teenagers to guys in their early to mid twenties.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We uh, I think a lot changes. It's uh, the player you get. I'm familiar with where how they started. Like the Western Hockey League player comes in at 16, so I'm familiar with that development process. And then when they leave at 20, now I'm going to get them at 21, and um, so I understand the development process from there. And then I've also coached at the level where uh, you're getting them at 21, so. Um, I think it 's a lot different how you communicate with them the uh the demands on them as far as it 's not just hockey anymore when you 're in junior hockey it 's pretty much hockey and and the real young ones have school, but now it's every player is in school. Every player obviously has hockey, and then there are some of them are going to be living alone. They don't have billets taking care of them anymore. So there's a lot of demands placed on them. But I think it's a great opportunity for for young men to learn how to manage. A lot of things in their life, so they now they got hockey, which is very important. They got school, which is very important. And Then obviously figuring out their social life is very important. So it's it's a great opportunity. It's a great time for these these uh, young men to uh, grow up a lot, and they change a lot in this time. But for me, how you communicate with them, I think I think the communication style is just it's more. Um, I guess it's more of a conversation. It's more back and forth. And in junior hockey, they really don't know uh, all that much about the game. And they're still learning all the details of the game, of their position, of the systematic part, portion of the game. So I think the, the kid that you get at 21 knows a lot more about the game than uh, the kid you get at 16.
0: How does recruitment and getting players to come to your team change your job as a head coach compared to being an assistant in the WHL?
2: Well, that's, that's the biggest part of it, I think, is, um, you know, the WHL is built, um, the players are come from a draft where at uh, the youth force level, obviously, we recruit them. But um, I think that's a huge portion of it. This year, obviously, it's uh, a little bit different for me because I'm starting on June 1, not... Um, not write it like for for the O3 group for the O2 group, but for the O3 group, I can't. I'm not. I'll start right away in September, October, and start talking to all those O3s that we're interested in to start filling spots. For the O2 group, it's going to be difficult just because um, a little bit late to the party, if you will. And you know, Mike did a little bit of uh, recruiting, but it's tough because you know Mike's recruiting a kid, but also saying. I won't be the coach so he did what he could and, and i appreciate all that and, and mike and i are in contact every day and he's been extremely helpful in in um helping me get uh organized and not just with recruiting but um all the other things that go along with the job so he's been incredible for me, but the recruiting part is is one of the biggest aspects of the job because your player supply obviously is the lifeline of the team, and you know you got to make sure that you're recruiting the right people as well as the right players.
0: And you have to do it all while still focusing on coaching the t- players you still have.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So obviously, you know, you got to be organized and you have to manage your time properly. But I guess one of the advantages I have coming from the Western Hockey League is that I. Uh, I'm familiar with a lot of the players um, that we'll be recruiting over the next number of years. And moving forward, I also have what I think are good relationships with uh, a number of the general managers and coaches in the league that um, are vital when you're trying to recruit some of their players that you can get a a little bit of history on some of the players you might know as a player but not as a person because it's just as important to me that we make sure that we're bringing in the right type of person into our program.
0: All right, so you're from Regina. Does that mean you're a Rough Riders fan? (laughs)
2: <laughs> I can't admit that, can I? Right now,
0: you're on the spot. You're uh, on the record.
2: Well, you know what? When I came to uh, Winnipeg, uh, we went to a Blue Bombers game, and we really enjoyed our, enjoyed ourselves. Uh, what do we call that one? The uh, the Banjo Bowl. Uh, uh-huh. We went to that game, and it was it was incredible. We were sitting a little high, but you know the the energy in the stadium and uh, the people were sitting beside. They couldn't have been uh, nicer people and more enthusiastic about the Blue Bombers. So it's tough not to. Uh, to join uh, join the blue and the blue and gold is that yeah. what you guys? Yeah. The well, I mean,
0: you're going to be playing hockey, but uh, you know, a couple football fields away from the football field. So, I understand if you want exactly. to change loyalties.
2: Exactly. I think I have to. I think I have to. i are ex- excited to be coming to Winnipeg. And I think uh, if you're going to move to Winnipeg, I think that's part of the process. You might have to uh, change over to cheer for the Blue Bombers.
0: So, logistically, then, when do you actually get to Winnipeg?
2: So that that's uh, well. Besides recruiting, which I'm doing all day, every day, phone's been glued to my ear. Um, our house is for sale in uh, in Moose Jaw here, and and we've already been to Winnipeg for about four days looking for a place, and we're we're just in the middle of that process. We need this house to sell, and we need to get to Winnipeg as quick as we can. But you know, the university is gracious enough to let me start a little early than than. Uh, when I can actually be there in person, just so we can get recruiting on 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 the go, because obviously we have to get the kids enrolled and and get them get their classes picked, and you know we're really late to the recruiting um, the recruiting scene as well. So we're hoping to be there in July. Um, I I think that's realistic. It's uh, a lot of it's going to come down to someone uh, making us an offer on our house here too. But the nice thing about today's day and age, a lot of a lot of video meetings, video conference meetings. As long as you have the internet and your phone in the summertime and your computer, because I'm watching a lot of players as well, just um, with uh, some of the online services that that exist now. So as long as you have those three things, you can really do your job from anywhere until uh, we get on the ice and get going. But I think July is really the target. I think that's a realistic date for us to actually be in Winnipeg.
0: Well, wish you the best of luck in selling your house. Uh, someone who's had a condo listed here for about eight months and is still trying to sell it. Wish you the best of luck in that, and uh, best of luck in this new venture in your life as head coach of the Manitoba Bisons.
2: Christian, I really appreciate you having me, and I and thank you very much for the uh, for the well wishes here. And we're excited we're getting there and getting started.
0: That is Gordon Burnett. He is the new head coach of the Manitoba Bisons men's hockey team. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell. Until we meet again. So and thanks for all the So sad that it come to this. We try to warn you the You may not
1: share our intellect.